Welcome to the Crew MPD podcast with Katie Johnson and Jason Rook. We love that the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. We're driven to equip and inspire laborers to be Christ-centered, fully funded, and financially faithful so that the missionary staff can get in front of lost people to tell them about Jesus. So today, Katie, I'm excited about this one. Um, I have uh, uh, not known Ryan personally very well. Ryan McReynolds is with us today, and but I have uh, I've been a beneficiary of some of his uh, thinking and his uh, practices uh, as it relates to MPD for a number of years. And so welcome to the podcast, Ryan. Thank you so much. It's a privilege to be here. Yes. Yeah, so we, wh- why don't we just start off? Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, where, where you are, your family situation and, and, and what you're doing with crew these days. You bet. Well, I'm coming to you today from my basement in uh, north of Boston in Stoneham, Massachusetts, about eight, eight, nine miles north of Boston. And uh, my wife, Alex, and I are um, have the privilege of being empty nesters during this time of COVID. All of our kids are out of the house, and so we haven't had to face some of the really hard choices that you know families have had to um, make. You know, with uh, sometimes parents, elderly parents living at home, or kids going to school, et cetera. So it's been just mo- mostly us two. Our kids have visited a little bit, but um, we have three grown kids: uh, twenty six, twenty five, and twenty one. Uh, my youngest is at Penn State as a senior, and so uh, just uh, one more uh, college student. Um, a few, you know, one more semester with two semesters actually. And then, um, we've been here going on 15 years. Uh, we moved to the Northeast because, uh, I accepted the position of being the operations director for, uh, the Northeast region. But before that, excuse me, it was in, um, in Colorado for six years on campus for three at the university of Colorado. And then was, a um, winter conference director and, uh, kind of an ops director out there. And then, um, before that was in seminary for two years, um, it, while still being on staff. And then, uh, before that, I was four years at New Mexico state and that's where we started our, our staff career at New Mexico state. In Las Cruces. Where, where, do, where do you hail from? Where's home? You've been all over the place. Yes, I know. I'm originally from Southern California. My wife okay. and I grew up. Yeah. I grew up in the San Gabriel Valley in a little town called Roland Heights. My wife's from Covina. We grew up maybe, I don't know, five, six miles from each other, but it's so densely populated. We wouldn't have known each other until we met at a crew winter conference in San Francisco, uh, in uh, 1989. Oh, and, um, yeah. So, so we, you know, we have a lot of fond memories of, of, um, our experience with crew as, as students and then, you know, been on staff now for what, 27 years, I think. That's great. And my current role, I haven't mentioned my current role. So, um, as we all know, there's been significant restructuring in the campus ministry. I mean, anyone in the campus ministry knows that. And um, mm-hmm. for the first time in a long time, marketing is now um, a, a named role, not just in in general, but on the executive team. So Christy Gothier is the director of the relatively new marketing uh, and mobilization team, or as I like to call it, the priority products and services marketing and mobilization uh, team. And um, I report to Christy uh, as the director of external marketing and promotions. Um, it's also a, a dual role where I also report to Andre Echevarria, who is the director of the overall crew marketing team for all the divisions, um, you know, in the U.S. and and also uh, helping 
globally as well. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's great. Yeah, that is great. It sounds like you uh, are staying busy. <laughs> yes. You know, um, my phone has been ringing off the hook since March. Um, suddenly everyone is interested in digital marketing and it's great. It's <laughs> the, the, the Lord is at work and I'm, I'm privileged to serve. Yes, we're thankful you're here serving as well. Um, so we did wonder, um, what do you see as the greatest obstacles in trying to raise support while still engaged in your ministry role? You know, I'll say this, that I think the obstacles are different for everyone. Um, or in other words, we all have obstacles. My obstacles might be different than yours. But what I observe is common about everyone's obstacles is it's an issue of focus where the biggest obstacle is deciding that support is still going to be a priority in the midst of, you know, an ongoing assignment and then freeing up the emotional energy to do it um, in the midst of, of ministry, because often MPD can um, can challenge us in some ways spiritually and emotionally that are just easier to put a, put aside. Um, so that's kind of the general thing. What I've noticed over the years with my wife being an MPD coach and, you know, having worked with lots of folks uh, on MPD that um, very often the same um, people orientation that makes people so great at doing in-person ministry often means it's hard to pull away from those responsibilities to give time to MPD. It, it can almost be like a guilt thing. Like I've got to serve my people. I got to lead my Bible study disciple and to, to pull time away from that can sometimes, you know, people feel guilty and they think, well, I, I just, I'll do support later. Um, and, and so those are the reasons, you know, that I see time and again, that people ignore support for long periods of time. And then there's a crisis uh, because they haven't been able to make any progress while they've been engaged in their regular assignment. Yeah, yeah, those are, I can see how those are definitely obstacles and MPD while on your assignment, especially the emotional capacity. Ministry also takes our emotional capacity, right? And so to engage in MPD in addition to that um, is, can be really hard and difficult. And so, um, you and Alex, your wife, have used a strategy to raise support while on assignment. Um, can you give us an overview of that strategy? Yes. Um, you know, I think one of the, the key things is funny because I, I originally did this strategy. And then when it worked, I was like, well, I think I should share this with people. So I turned it into a seminar that, yes. you know, was in 2013. It's hard to believe it was that long ago. Seven years um, <laughs> yeah. But what's interesting is, as I look back, what, what started the strategy was desperation, you know, really poor support because of ignoring it for a long time. Um, and a, a lot of it came out of, um, when you, when you move into operations, like the, the, like there are natural breaks in a field role, like at Christmas time or in the summer where if you're not doing a summer assignment, you can focus on MPD and whatever, and just completely focus on that in operations. There's often ongoing like demands that are really hard to offload because they're specialized knowledge that others don't have. And so, um, it's, it feels more like a year round job, even on vacations 
or, you know, during a, like Christmas break or whatever. So, um, we ignored our support for way too long and I felt very responsible. And so I had the privilege of being exposed to what's known as the four disciplines of execution. And I, I started realizing that the issue was focus, that it wasn't that I didn't know what to do with MPD. I'd had good coaching and some good practices, but I needed a strategy to get me focused on the most, uh, the most impactful behaviors in MPD for a consistent amount of time and to do it in partnership with my wife. And so um, that's the idea behind uh, this strategy. It's basically you choose a wildly important goal. That's language from the four disciplines of ex execution, which is to you know choose a goal, a financial goal, um, and then focus on lead measures, not lag, lag measures, which is to, um, focus on the repeatable behaviors that give you the best chance of making progress. And then um, then you build a player scoreboard. This is literally just the four disciplines of execution. You mm -hmm. build a player scoreboard, which is something that you and your teammates, whether it's a, a wife or an MPE coach or whatever, that you can look at together. Um, and then you establish a regular cadence of accountability where you are referring to the scoreboard and seeing how you're making progress towards your goal. And, um, a, another big piece of this was for the first time, really leaning into email as a way of initiating. And, um, but, but email was not the decisive factor. It was having a focusing tool that could help me carve out the time to, to give to it. Um, you know, et cetera. So that's an overview. That's, that's excellent. Yeah. So, I mean, some of our uh, listeners are probably, uh, they've read, they've read, or they've, they're familiar with uh, the four disciplines of execution. Um, perhaps they're practitioners as well. Sounds like you are. And we'd love to hear a little bit more about each of those. Um, so the wig, the wildly important goal, um, tell us what, what yours is. How do you think about that? Um, yeah. What, what's your, what's your wildly important goal? Well, you know, th there again, it, it can, that can be very individual for different seasons of your life or different people. So for some, it might be, you know, our account balance is in the negative and we have to have more, you know, committed monthly to get out of that hole or one-time gifts or whatever. So that's our wildly important goal for others. It might be all of a sudden there's an unexpected medical expense. And maybe their account balance is healthy, but they're going to have to deal with that. And so that frames the amount and the intensity and the effort. For others, it could be um, we'd like to buy a second car or, you know, we've got a child that, that is going to need a car. And so we're going to need to raise more to accomplish a particular goal. The, the consistent thing is it just has to be wildly important to you. In other words, it mm -hmm. has to be motivating to accomplish and um, when your support is poor, when your account balance is in the negative or whatever, um, it's wildly important, you know, and, and but also can, there can be guilt and whatnot. And so um, that's normal. And part of the reason I say that and put a name to it is that a lot of people feel that way and they feel like they're the only one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've been there, my wife and I've been there. And but that's why it's so important to have a model for in the midst of everything else to be able to focus on it so you can get you know, move towards that goal. 
Yeah. So, I mean, Ryan and Alex's uh, wildly important goal is going to look different than Jason and Erica's or Katie and Ben. So, yes, it's it, I love that. It's per, choose something. It's very personal. What is it you're going after? Um, one of the things that I know you have you have tended to emphasize uh, committed monthly support uh, over an account balance. Um, now, account balance obviously is still important. <laughs> um, there are some on staff that advocate for something, you know, sort of they use a language of what's your false zero. Uh, in, in other words, um, somebody might say, I am committed to maintain an account balance over X amount, say $10,000 or whatever it is for them. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what, how do you, how do you think about that? Is that something mm -hmm. that uh, you include as well as the monthly emphasis or how do you think about account balance? Totally. All of that came out of um, the switch because for years I had used the account balance as my, um, as my measure. And it was reading and hearing the four disciplines of execution that I laughed out loud because they talk about um, this is sort of the next point, but it, it, it's relevant here. Lead measures and not lag measures. Um, you're, uh, most people use as their measurement toward a goal, lag measures, which they, they literally call them, oh, crap measurements. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and, and the reason for that is because they're usually easy to get, but hard to impact directly. So... Um, I, I realized as they described it, that that was a, totally my account balance. It's like, so in the summer, right after your summer ask, or in January, right after winter winter uh, ask, account balance goes way up. Sure. And and they they say that in the four four disciplines of execution thing. They're like, when it's good, you're like, oh, it's good. We don't have to do anything. Right. And th until because you're not doing the things that would keep it at at a good place, it drops off the table. And then by the time you get to, you know, whether it's April or October, now it's back into the negative and you go, Oh crap. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the problem though, with that being your wildly important goal, that account balance is that you can't directly impact that balance. You can't, you know, and the example they give in four DX is, is your weight, you know, often the scale is very easy to pull out and get on. But if you get on it and your weight is above where you want it to be or below where you want it to be, you can't just put more weight on right there standing at the scale and you can't take right. it off either. Right. You have to engage in other behaviors, which they call, you know, lead measures, um, which will change that. So that's why it's okay to have a lag measure as a, your wildly important goal. In other words, as the end um, goal, but what I realized was that the, the account balance was sometimes giving me a false sense of security. Mm. And then when it wasn't, it was too late to impact. And so I realized it would be healthier to choose committed monthly because that would be an early indicator of a declining account balance and would help me get focused on giving more attention before the oh crap you know, situation yeah. happens. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for kind of making it personally convicting, talking about the scale and weight and all that stuff. That's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I, I got to think about this differently. Right? I got to, I got to think about my lead measures here. Well, let's talk about that yeah. then. Um, what, are, what is the difference that you've, you've sort of touched on it here, but uh, more specifically, what's the difference between a lead measure and a lag measure? Uh, and then what are your key lead measures? When yeah. it comes to MPD, you bet. A, a, a great, a, a, a typical lead measure 
is something that you have good reason to believe will impact the lag measure and, and lead towards the goal. Um, but it's often something that you need to do consistently at least once a week um, in order to get there. And that's the, the reason why we need things like these is because we as human beings are not great at long-term planning. And so we struggle to extrapolate out the daily, you know, weekly behaviors into their long-term effects. And so a lead measure is in a sense, just reverse engineering. What would I need to do consistently in order to impact the lag measure so that I can accomplish my goal? Mm. And, um, that's where I, I realized that the most important thing I could do, in fact, this has turned into a maxim of mine. Um, my MPD maxim is yeah. um, people who end up joining your support team and giving are inevitably people that you ask to join your support team and start giving. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's gold. That's some, uh, it's just would, a paraphrase. Nobody would, nobody would ever think of that, right? No, that's right. It, it, it's just a paraphrase of Jesus saying, you know, you have not because you ask not, you know. Right. And so I started to reverse engineer that. It's like, well, how do I get to the place where I can ask someone to join our team? Mm -hmm. Well, I need to ask them probably for an appointment. And what do I need to do to ask people for an appointment? Well, I need to ask them, you know, or, you know, how do I get to the appointment? I need to ask them for an appointment. And what, what occurred to me was once the appointment was set, emotionally, I'm in. Like, you know, yeah. I'll show up, energy, like I got that. But for me, and this could be different for somebody else, for me, the hardest part was asking for an appointment. It felt risky. It felt dangerous. And I could always think of an excuse why it's not time to ask for an appointment. You right. know, like well, I haven't talked to him and well, I don't think I know him well enough and all these things, mm -hmm. you know? And so what I realized was, um, a lot of my activity in MPD and time was short, you know, cause again, I'm on my assignment. It, I'm trying to fit it in, in the midst of other things. A lot of my activity was things like, well, I got to organize my spreadsheet or I got to rearrange my pencils or, you know, I, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta do all this sort of extraneous stuff. And, and I, when I was really honest with myself, I thought, actually, the most important thing I can do is ask people for appointments, because that's going to lead to finding out if they'll have an appointment, and then I'll get a chance to ask them to do, you know, present our ministry, to join our team, et cetera. And so my lead measure was asking, originally, back when we were doing uh, this in, in that you know, real focused period, um, it was asking two people a week. Uh, for an MPD appointment. And, and it was email that broke the logjam for me because I would stress and obsess about calling people because I was, I was always like, Oh, what if I mess up my words and whatever. And it was always hard to get people on the phone. And then when you got them, it's like, well, am I interrupting? And that was always really hard. Where an email, I could say it exactly the way I wanted. I could, I could add a crisp sort of ask for an appointment at the beginning and then put as much detail as I wanted later in the more detail about our ministry. Um, but I noticed it was much easier to send an email than a phone number. And so initially I just committed, I'm going to send as my lead measure, I'm going to send two emails a week to people that I believe would be open to receiving those emails. And, um, hoping that that would lead to more appointments, more opportunities to ask people to join our team and, 
and that would get us to the goal. Ryan, I'm curious, was this uh, like your goal to reach out to two people on email? Was this during full-time MPD or were you still on your assignment? What was it? Oh, no, I was still on my assignment. I was still, I was in the midst of everything okay. else. And the reason I chose two was it felt easy because essentially I'm sending the same email every time, you know, with just changing the name, yeah. it's the same, the same basic email. And so I tried to choose, and this is actually an important principle of lead measures. You want to make something that's so easy that you can't fail to, to do it or be, it'd be, it's really embarrassing. It's like, you can't send two emails a week, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. I feel like you're probably sending a lot more than two emails for your job. So just adding two more on. Exactly. Maybe it doesn't seem as hard. Exactly. Either. And and in one planning time, you could probably plan out 10 people you could email, but you're not committing to email 10 people a week. It's just two. So if in that initial planning time, now I got five weeks of emails to send out. And, and in a sense, what that does is it relieves the pressure of having to compete between your regular job and, you know, your your uh, MPD. And so the number being low was actually important. And then on the flip side, you're, um, you're making a little bit of progress, you know, every time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Um, so in email, are you still finding email and boomerang effective? Which is a great question. Cause I did just tell some of my new staff about boomerang and now I'm sitting here thinking, depending on what you might say, I might not tell them about Boomerang. You know, I don't know. You know, so, I, yeah. this is, I, you know, breaking news. Um, I've not said this publicly. I think I said it to my wife, but I actually just let my Boomerang subscription lapse, uh, whatever it was, a month ago. For the first time in, I mean, this I was using it there in 2013. So it's probably been 10 years I've been using Boom, Boomerang and, you know, great mm -hmm. company. I've loved it. But the reason I let it lapse is because Google essentially has built in all the features that I used in Boomerang um, right into Gmail. And so I just realized that I no longer had a need to use Boomerang because Google essentially stole all their features and and uh, and put it in for free, you know. So, yeah, which is, yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, which is nice. You know, it's tough for Boomerang, but but that's um, that's how it goes sometimes for for digital companies. And um so like the main thing about the reminder, I'll, I'll do a couple mm -hmm. things. One is I've learned now, I've grown confident that when I send an email that asks a question, Google knows it and will two days later put it back in my inbox. Uh, or if I mention a date, it'll actually figure that out, which is amazing. So it's like, auto, uh, you know, AI boomerang automatically. If I, but sometimes with MPD emails, I don't want to trust Google. And so what I'll do is send the email and then go into my send folder, choose that email that's already sent and hit the snooze button, which is essentially the boomerang feature in Gmail. And I'll choose the date, you know, a week later, whatever, that I want it to come back to my inbox so that I can, you know, if they haven't responded, follow up. Yeah. 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 Does uh, Gmail, I'm just curious, because I think when I I joined staff in 2014 originally and Boomerang was big, big deal. Um, and we used it a lot to see if people even opened our emails. Does Gmail do that? It does too? not. And um, that I mean, I know that, that that feature is there and I essentially use that in MailChimp. 
but um i that's not actually like it's not that it's not important so i don't know let's get into the inside baseball why not why not just you know put it out there <laughs> so people who are um sophisticated in marketing know that they're being tracked you know whether they they open it or not and for some people that creates distrust now most mm-hmm. people probably don't even know that it's happening and you know mm-hmm. etc but because i do marketing as a job and i actually want people that are pretty savvy with those things on my team um i, I think another part of it is i don't when i send a personal email i don't have an unsubscribe button and so kind of my personal policy is I'm not going to track whether you open unless you have the ability to unsubscribe. Um, and mm-hmm. so I just haven't used that feature. Um, I'm not okay. saying it's immoral. I'm not saying it's illegal or anything like that. It's just a personal preference, <laughs> you know, um, because it, I do send MailChimp and MailChimp can tell me who opened and et cetera, but it also has the unsubscribe button and all that kind of stuff. So that's not a feature that I use used in Boomerang and therefore it wasn't a loss, you know, with the switch to gmail snooze yeah i think that makes sense i mean speaking of even being able to see if someone can read a message do you ever use social media dms or text messages or do you usually just stick to email well i i don't as much um i, I was just uh what was i looking at um i was just looking at something and, and realizing oh i know i just saw saw it in a, in a the trivia question that the very first text message ever was sent in 1992. So that means I had been married a a year and been raising support full time for most of that year before there was a thing called text messages, (laughs) you know? So that's just an illustration of how I had, I've learned how to communicate in lots of different ways that didn't involve, you know, texting and then now social media. It doesn't mean that I shouldn't do that, but a lot of my existing partners, their preferred mode of communication is definitely, you know, letter, call, um, text message or email, um, yeah. And that's because I have an, I'm 50, you know, 51, I have an older MPD team. And so the, not a lot of them are on social media. So that's, that's the artifact of being an old guy, you know, doing MPD for many people hearing this podcast, it's probably very normal to use Facebook messenger, Instagram DMS, you know, whatnot. And that's great. It's just another you know form of mm-hmm. digital connection. Yeah. Yeah. I think that definitely makes sense. Like using what, you know your partners will respond to is how you should yes, communicate. Yes, that's right. It, what what they prefer is actually what you should use. So if they reach out to you through a DM, then that's probably a great channel to connect with. That's actually the principle. And I just haven't had that many people who, you know, use other than email. Yeah, yeah, I think it makes sense. I've definitely had people that I've uh, reached out to on multiple platforms, and wherever they answer, I am there. That's right. Answering back. Yep. Right. So Ryan, um, we know you mentioned number three um, of the three uh, disciplines is build a player score card. Um, so what exactly is that and how has this helped you? Mm-hmm. Well, the definition of a player's scorecard or scoreboard is um, from for disciplines of execution 
is something that the players who are actually in the game or pursuing the strategy can look at regularly and immediately see whether they're winning or losing. And that's very true to life. If a, if a scoreboard is too complicated to immediately know whether you're winning or losing, it's not going to be motivating and therefore it's not going to be helpful. So what, what I did was create a spreadsheet basically that every week, if I made two calls, I would, um, you know, check that off and it would turn the little box green for that week. <laughs> and so if I did that week after week, I would have a series of green, you know, there. And I also had a graph for new monthly commitments. And as a typical MPD fashion, I needed to string together a bunch of weeks of green before I saw that overall graph move. And that literally is the visual definition of the difference between a lead measure and a lag measure. Mm. And so, but what, you know, the player scoreboard, I, I committed to my wife in this season where we did this for the first time that we were going to meet weekly and go over the scoreboard. And it was really my reporting of my activity to her because it wasn't like she was completely uninvolved, but I just committed to her to spearhead this and take action. And so for me, it was a way to let her know whether I was winning or losing, you know, on her behalf. And she could look at it and it didn't take any, and once he, once she learned it, she knew exactly what it meant every time. Mm -hmm. And we set a time to do it every week and there was accountability in that, but also enjoyability to be able to say, Hey, yeah, I did this again. Mm -hmm. And there's that dip at the beginning where it's like, okay, several weeks of green and no new appointments, no new commitments, what's going on. But then as is often the case, as is usually the case, if you keep at it, with those lead measures, suddenly you get a flurry of new appointments and then you get people, you know, who commit to join your team. Now, um, uh, we don't, we don't do, we don't use that exact same scoreboard today, but the principle is the same, whether it's MPDX or a spreadsheet or whatever, is it has to be simple enough for the people doing the activity to know if they're winning or losing. And, um, that's it. Can I ask a follow-up question to that? Sure. Um, I'm just curious, were there weeks where it didn't turn green? And how oh, did yeah. you come back to it week after week when you felt like you weren't necessarily winning? Well, that's, that's actually the next point of a regular cadence of accountability. That if you set a time to look at the scoreboard with the other players, if you will, then if you have a week where you know, like in my case, I didn't send the two emails. I sent one maybe, well, it was a pass fail. It was like either green or red. Mm -hmm. So one was as good as nothing. And two was awesome, you know? And so that's actually good. Like it's motivating to get two. And if after a couple of weeks, if I wasn't making progress and it was red for a couple of weeks, well then, you know, I need to have a conversation with myself <laughs> or my wife and I need to have a conversation of, well, how important is this really? But, but the scoreboard is working and that it's giving me feedback on a regular mm -hmm. basis of whether I'm actually acting on the things I say are important or am I saying it's important and then moving on to other things. The purpose of the scoreboard is to reflect back. You're not actually doing what you plan to do. Um, and, you know, I, it's a very effective model that I use actually in my 
um, my whole life. I use it. Uh, this is for free. I, I use a little thing called I run, you run. It's a free website where you can set up any behavior in your life, having a quiet time, doing sit-ups, whatever, on a weekly scoreboard that always is zero to a hundred in terms of points, whatever. And you set the frequency and what's important and what's not. And basically every week it's a scoreboard of whether you're winning or losing at your own life (laughs) Or, or at least the things in your life that you want to start doing weekly, but you struggle with. And, um, that's, you know, that's an example. I still have MPD, uh, one category on that. I run, you run thing is still a weekly MPD activity. The activity may change, but there's always something on there because I need a scoreboard to keep that, you know, focus. Now, if I, if I already am pretty convinced I'm losing at my own life, I might not be as motivated to, uh, to have it, have somebody else tell me <laughs> that well, that indeed is the case. So let me share Let me share though, because I, we've all been there. I, right. I heard a, I heard a phrase the other day that really struck me as wisdom that the thing that you need the most is often in the place you least want to look. And th- that challenges me to push against my own, you know, inertia, whatever, to think, why can't I get going on this? What am I avoiding? You know, what is it that I don't want to face in this? And there's something about that, that turns it from a feeling of dread to a doggone it. I'm going to solve this thing. (laughs) You know, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. And, and so that's what scoreboards do for me. They may not be for everyone, but they, they help me look at the place that I may not want to look and decide why am I not able to make progress on this and figure out a different way of attacking it. That's good. So you, you touched on the, the established regular cadence of accountability as well. Um, so what I'm, what I'm hearing you say is really you and Alex, your wife uh, are kind of your built-in accountability along with the, the scorecard. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever done, done some of these things where you've brought somebody else in? maybe shared your scorecard with, with someone else, uh, had some, you know, uh, either a teammate or a supervisor check in with you. Have you had that kind of accountability as well? Well, yeah, yes and no mm-hmm. in the sense that, um, so Alex and I still have a weekly MPD appointment that's in our calendar and we don't, we don't keep it every week, but most weeks we do where, where we look at our MPD and our budget mm-hmm. because they're, sort of tied together, you mm-hmm. know, inputs and outputs. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and that it is, it's really helpful, you know, over the course of the year to have, which just a 30 minute touch point. And if we need to do longer planning or whatever we do, but it's that regular cadence of accountability. And, and for MPD, we look at, you know, committed monthly is, is a, a key, you know, lag measure there. And obviously budgeting, we have like savings goals and stuff like that. But so that's an example of, again, the personal. Because for the last, you know, I don't know, 10, 15, 16 years, I've been more of a boss where I'm setting direction for others. Mm-hmm. And because of my own experience of floundering for so long with MPD, I have made a commitment to make MPD an issue for any team that I'm leading. There you go. And so I schedule time where we're going to talk about MPD as a team, because as I say, when we do it, I say MPD is not, you know, something extra to your job. It's actually your job. And so I, as a manager, am responsible to communicate that and then carve out time where we work on it together. 
And so we, we talk about like emails, I'll share template emails and we share each other's prayer letters. I'll have a time where we, as a team will plan our end of your ask and share ideas for that. Oh, yeah. And, and what, what I always see is people, people just, you know, it, it, at first they get kind of nervous, like, Oh, we're going to talk about MPD. I put that on yeah. the shelf. I don't want to think about, it, you know, right, right. but but then as we get into it and they realize, Oh, we're going to do this together and I'm going to learn. And, and there's this healthy encouragement and accountability. They just lighten up, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, this is great. And um, it's not, you know, some people find MPD easy. Some people find it terrifying, but, when we do it together, it's just like evangelism. Evangelism is mm-hmm. always easier when you have a partner. Mm-hmm. Doing MPD together is another way of having a regular cadence of accountability. And I view that as my responsibility as a team uh, team leader to establish that cadence of accountability um, in the regular course of our team activity. It's really great. We've just done a couple of episodes where we've talked to teams, people on teams that are doing MPD together. Um, you've probably heard heard the phrase MPD champion. Um, yep. So we talk about teams, but you are, uh, you've j- essentially dubbed yourself the MPD champion of, of your teams, it sounds like. And that that's excellent. That's what we're talking a lot about is just like you say, uh, again, just one of many parallels uh, to evangelism and MPD. But another one is, Let's let's go together. Let's do this right. thing together uh, because we can uh, I, isolation in both of those worlds, evangelism or MPD is uh, is uh, discouraging. It's it can yep. be dangerous. Right. So yep. um, that's yep. excellent. Well, tell us about what have you seen? What 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 kinds of things have you seen the Lord do as you have uh, implemented the four disciplines of execution in MPD as you've um, chosen a wildly important goal and, and focused on lead measures and putting a scorecard together, being accountable. What, what, what are the results? Well, initially when, when we did this and I decided to turn it into a seminar, it's because in the course of, I think we started in the fall and by the spring we had raised 700 monthly while doing our regular job. And I was like, yes. I was like, okay, this works. Yeah. <laughs> and, wow. And, yeah. And, and that was um, with two emails. Yeah. Two a emails week. a week. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's going to be it, motivating it, for a few people, I think. Yeah. Cause uh-huh. it, cause it adds up and it, and it was the snowball in the sense that like most of it came in late in the process. You sure. know, it's, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, you, the momentum builds very slowly. Then all of a sudden it's like in a few weeks, bam, you get a whole bunch of support because you've been, trying to get appointments with people and, and whatnot. So, um, and obviously your mileage may vary, but, um, I'm, you know, I'm such a believer in this process that, like I said, I've implemented similar things in my life for all kinds of things, you know, regular lead measures to, to do X, Y, or Z. So, um, what we, so I would say at this point in our staff career, our, our, our support has never been better in terms of, mm-hmm finances, mm-hmm. but I've applied this methodology. I think part of the reason for that is I've applied this methodology to other parts of our MPD. So for instance, um, I got onto the gravy train with, um, Steve Sims and prayerletters.com a few years ago where he offered a special deal that if you sent out, uh, one letter every month, you'd get one of them free. So I, if you do 12 months, he would refund you the cost of one of those letters, which is like 300 bucks, you know? Mm. And so 
I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. Cause I knew it would be what they call a commitment device to get me to do it. And you pick the date every month that you had to upload your, your letter and then it would get sent out, you know, yeah, through yeah. your MPD X, you know, addresses and everything. And so I don't think I've missed a month in, I think it's almost four years now of wow. letters, every single month. Um, and, and it, what it took was the, the $300 incentive, you know, that's mm -hmm. the scoreboard mm -hmm. where it's mm -hmm. like, well, if I do this once a month, you know, and, and part of what that meant is I needed to simplify my prayer letter, which my wife loves. She hates long, complicated mm -hmm. prayer letters. So it's like one page, one picture, short words. Mm -hmm. Boom. It's like, okay, I can do that. Mm -hmm. You know? And, and, uh, so I, I do that every month. And then I thought, okay, I've got that down. That became easy. So I was like, well, but email is a thing, like I should be sending emails. So I started to commit to one email a month about ministry and started to do that, you know, roughly. And I could put in links and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And that, that went pretty well. And then last year, it's funny, I'm just finishing my 12th month of doing this. Hmm. I started to think, how could I, because uh, I don't know what your experience is, but the, the emails that get open the most and that get the most comments are things about your personal life or your family. Yes. Right? yes. You know, it's like ministry is great. Yeah. Somebody else came to Christ. <laughs> it's all good. You know, but it's like, it's yeah. like, you know, when you share about your kids or yes. your dad's illness or whatever people, that's where people engage. So I was like, how could I build relationship in a sense through um, something more personal and at the same time be sort of in the the same brand of spiritual leadership and engagement. So I came up with this idea. I don't know. I, it hit me and I wrote it down. I was like, oh, okay, I think that'll work and I'll try it. It's called throwback third Thursday. Okay. <laughs> so you probably heard of throwback Thursday, you know, where you old photos and stuff. Right. Right. So, so, and all this is going to this question of like implementing the strategy. I was like, well, uh, this sounds overwhelming to do this a bunch. But I thought, what if I could pick 12 photos of like old pictures of me and Alex and our kids or whatever and spread them out and send one once a month? And I thought, well, I won't do it every Thursday, but I'll do it every third Thursday hmm. of every month for 12 months and um, tell a story about what that picture was about, et cetera. And, and nothing I've ever done has resulted in as much engagement Incredible. with our, our donors. I mean, That's I just awesome. sent one out month 11 was this last month. And I had some pictures of Alex and I, when we were first dating and then a picture, um, when we were in marriage counseling nice. <laughs> and, and I, I contrasted our big smiles when we were dating and then the kind of the nervous <laughs> look when we were in marriage counseling and, and just what got it done in our marriage and the hard times and the counseling and everything. And, and, a, you know, at least a dozen people emailed and said, thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for being real. And, yeah. and, you know, our marriage is a struggle too, but yeah. thank God for God's faithfulness or whatever. Amen. And, and all of that came out of having the confidence to try something on a regular basis mm -hmm. that felt, you know, at first it might've felt overwhelming, but because mm -hmm. I just planned, let's just do one a month, you know, and then mm -hmm. have some kind of a scoreboard to do that that's unlocked other things. And I've consistently kept up the things that have been working. And, um, I think, you know, obviously God's faithfulness in, in giving, you know, our, our giving is, is, um, is good, um, in, in, as a result of God's faithfulness, but 
what I've seen is the things that we didn't used to do, I think had something to do with why our MPD was so poor (laughs) and um, the consistency of using a scoreboard has really helped turn that around. It's really great. So much good stuff here. And we're going to provide some of these resources in particular to crew staff, uh, some of the things that you've mentioned um, and in like the the even just the having resources to calculate your goal right like what do i need oh, knowing yeah, what totally. i need is going to be huge um yep. sharing some of the scripts that you've used i think would, would be helpful for for many as well so we'll we'll get those up in the show notes uh ryan this has been great and uh thank you for uh you know i'm, I'm sort of thankful that you were in a desperate place seven years ago um <laughs> because it, it led to some some great ideas that you have you and alex have implemented that i think are going to really benefit our staff so thanks for joining us today and um thanks for your commitment to the mission as well you bet thanks for asking and it's great to be with you guys thank you for serving staff with this podcast and everything you guys do 